0: everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Michael Brandvold, and as always, I'm joined by Jay Gilbert. Jay, welcome back from the dead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's good to be back. It's good to be healthy again. It's good to see you again, Michael.
0: Yeah, just so everybody knows, we had, uh, we, we, we had to adjust our scheduling last week. We couldn't record because Jay came down with pneumonia.
1: Yeah, I was in the hospital, and uh, it was crazy, it was random, it was weird, but uh, don't mess around with that, folks. Yeah, so, Serious stuff. So,
0: so, so we're back, and today we have a special guest joining us. Um, I want to welcome, and let me make sure i got your full title here in front of me, I want to welcome Eric Alper, who's Director of Media Relations and Label Relations for E1 Music Canada. Eric, thank you for joining us.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. And uh, sorry to hear that you were sick, man. You know, oh, thanks. It, 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 it's funny whenever somebody realizes that I'm in music in a non music place. Do you ever get this when people say, Do you know Coldplay? <laughs> <Or> like, <laughs> you know, what's, what's Michael Jackson Do you Jackson know Getty really Lee? Like, you know, so people, people just suddenly think that we all work with the exact same people. They're like, right. Yeah, I do a podcast. Really? Who's the most impressive person you've had on? Rihanna? And then they'll answer the question for you. Exactly. Yeah. And then you name a bunch of people that they've never probably heard of that are big in the music industry. And, you know, my mother still has no idea what I do, but that's okay. Well,
1: my, my, my mom is a regular, uh, viewer of the podcast. And, uh, She now knows what I do uh, by watching this thing, which has been really great. Because in between episodes, she'll call me up and she'll say, "You know, tell me a little bit about this Pandora thing or this Spotify thing, and what does that really mean?" And it's it's pretty cool.
0: That's awesome. My mom, um, I've given her this credit a few times. Back in 1976, she bought me my very first Kiss album. Which God bless her got me hooked, and I, you know my payback was taking her to a Kiss concert, getting her front row tickets, and meeting the band with a photo. So,
2: oh, uh, good, yeah. nice. good for you! Nice, good for you. You're going to heaven for that one. Yeah, I yes. hope so. I hope so.
1: Well, Eric, I want to kick it off first of all. Let me just um, tell you a couple of things. One is uh, I've been a big fan of yours for a while, and it kind of started with you know Twitter. Um, I, I liked kind of the thing that you were doing on Twitter, and I I, I liked kind of the anniversaries of things that you would post from time you to do a time.
0: Great job curating content. Yeah, uh, absolutely.
1: Thanks. And 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 you know, you post some really cool. I don't know what you call them. You know, whether they're stems or backing tracks or whatever. But some of the things that you've posted, um, I collect a lot of that stuff, and and I just love hearing, you know you know, bands. The isolated vocals, yeah, like isolated yeah. vocals or you know, I've heard some things like um Toto, you know, you know, the isolated tracks or Nights on Broadway by the Bee Gees, the drum track of that which is ridiculous. <laughs> and you know, those types of things I think are really interested or interesting to a lot of music fans and it's not something that a lot of music fans get to hear, so that kind of drew me in but you know, I didn't even I wasn't even aware that you were associated with E1 until much much later and I started kind of listening to, you know, the conversation and and looking at what you were curating and you know, Michael and I both do some similar things with curation and, you know, industry news and that sort of thing, but I found a lot of the things that you were posting to be very relevant and very interesting. So I kind of wanted to kick off the discussion today, just in a very broad sense, at a high level. What do you think about the uh, state of the union right now? You know, with music streaming, you know, kind of growing with downloads decreasing quickly, with kind of the you know lawsuits and being a an artist these days, just at a high level. You know, what are your what are your thoughts on, on the music industry today?
2: Uh, well, well, first, thank you very much for the compliment on, on Twitter. You know, it, it's something that um, all this stuff that I post is just things that I find or things that I create that I find interesting. And it's almost like a magazine article, uh, like a magazine editor, how they would feel is but without actually knowing who's reading it. It could be some 12-year-old girl from Germany to a 70-year-old guy in Boston. And so it's kind of fun to see what people are relating to. And the uh, the, the isolated tracks were certainly something that I found a lot of people interested in because I think as we get into more living in a pop world and more of a world where music is being created on laptops and people seem to get offended by, um, you know, just an unhuman like characteristic that seems to be driving some of the pop music that people might think about or feel about To, to kind of go back You know 10 20 years where they didn't really have access to being able to clean up stuff as as readily available as possible to hear what lindsey buckingham sounded like in 1976 without a lot of the the you know the million dollar studios around them that stuff i I love and i I, it's always nice to to be able to hear drum tracks or guitar tracks even for a moment just so that you know those fans can get something a little bit different out of it but when it comes to the state of the union i mean we're living probably in the most exciting times that the music industry and the music business has ever faced. Growing up in the seventies, I'm 45. So the looking back where formats lasted 10, 11, 12, 15 years or so, probably no more than that. um, When you had the 45 single, or, you know, first, yeah, like the 78, and then, you know, the 45 single, and then albums, and then mm-hmm. eight tracks, and then reel to the reel, then cassette tapes, and then CDs. CDs have had a pretty long life when you think yeah, about it. It really when have. It was first started in 84, 85 mm-hmm. or so. Long and run. And so, yeah, it's a long run, and it made the industry a lot of money. And that was kind of where the start of let's try to get people to buy. The same album in a different format, and I think that where people loved the idea and fans loved that, there was a, a small segment of population that just saw it as a cash grab. And then you get into the remastering and the remixing and the stereo five oh, you know, five point one stereo mm-hmm. sound, and, right. and and I think that that's kind of what led to a lot of you know um, the 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 influential. Downloaders who wanted free music. And then you had Napster. And, and I'm sure looking back with hindsight being 2020, nobody wanted to give anything away for free. Nobody is really great at embracing technology as much as we want to say that we want to try everything once and when i say we i mean just people in the music industry but i think it works for most businesses in general when if you're a small business or if you're a band sometimes you just roll your eyes and you're like oh here's another social media site that i have to go on but for the music industry the mp3 was something that i'm sure that they would love to take that time period back and do it properly because whenever you're behind the eight ball and whenever you dictate to customers how they should consume their music. It's usually a better method. Um, Sometimes I like to say that I don't, I don't like to tell people how they should be consuming their music. I just want them to consume music and I want them to listen to music and go see shows. But I think in this case though, nobody was really asking for CDs. Nobody was really asking for albums. It was created by the artists and the industry itself. But I think when the audience started dictating that this is how we want to consume music, it was just a a giant cluster of ideas and methods. And I think now it's, it's a little bit, you know, like seeing the light at the end of the tunnel that keeps getting brighter and brighter. I, I really do feel that. I, I can sense that, that downloads had their time. We were all going gangbusters over, ringtones making millions of dollars, and that time right. has passed. And I think the next step will probably end up being somewhere along the line. Cable services will start to do deals with music streaming sites to start putting them on your on your cable bill or on your cell phone bill as right. much as Netflix does now or as much mm-hmm. as um, you know certain channels where you're going to be paying $10 a month. It's going to be automatically on your phone bill or cable bill. You're not even going to think twice about it. And then you're going to have access to 45 million songs of Are the there, greatest you, music you know, that you've that, ever heard.
0: That, that, that's, that's interesting because I've never really thought – I mean we've talked in the past about how there's going to be a lot of consolidation still going on. Yeah. Um and I've never really thought about how these services might go to cell phone or cable. I mean I think it's only do you really could you imagine Comcast actually purchasing somebody like Spotify? That seems to actually make sense i I
2: think everything, everything is up for grabs. I think when you're a telecommunications company, you're just looking for content. You don't care really you know if it's House of cards. Or if it's a brand new album that's exclusive to, a, to one site. I think what's going to happen is, um, I, I think it has to happen like that somewhere down the line. Because the tipping point isn't near anywhere where the music industry wants it to be in terms of music streaming sites and subscription services. We've all seen the numbers that are public out there that yeah. these companies are losing tens of millions of dollars every single right. quarter to pay for the high license fees mm-hmm. the only way to make this industry thrive and make it a 200 billion dollar industry like making the kinds of gobs of money that these major labels and indie labels were doing in, in the era of CDs would be to get you know <laughs> 25 50 75 200 million Americans on a Spotify or Pandora or whoever is going to survive, but I, there's only going to be, I think, three or four or five of them surviving. I think it's going to be just as many, you know, um, choices. But, uh, you know, one thing that I'm, I'm not a big fan of yet is putting specific exclusive albums on specific sites. So yeah. that I think that, you know, when you give people that kind of limited choice, I think it only, I, I think it only harms the fan. Although we've, we've seen it before where certain artists will only have their album distributed through um walmart for instance or to get all five bonus covers of the one direction album you've got to travel to five different um five different locations yeah. so we, we've seen that Just before. a bad
1: customer experience
2: it, it's it, you know what it does is it doesn't do much to the hardcore fan because they'll go out and buy it anyway they're the one that will spend a thousand dollars a year on the band and those those fans are sorely needed it's the people that just want to spend seven to fourteen dollars on a cd or on an album and you know as the car companies start to remove cd players from their cars um and go digital on the dashboard with either sirius xm or or hooking it up through your phone or hooking it up through a music streaming service i, I think that's where that's where it's going and yeah it's really no different than than the album format or the CD format. You couldn't really see the music anyway. You could just hold something. But right now, we're all holding our phones. We're all holding yeah. the mouse to to access the music. So in so much that you can't really see it, it's not that big of a change. It just needs like stores like Tower Records and HMV in Canada where they were huge and they had hundreds and hundreds of stores across each of the countries, you need that kind of access for people like my mom and people like my sister who go see one concert a year, if the most, at the most, they buy maybe one or two albums a year at the most. Those are the people that you need because you know, right. look, people laughed at Netflix too. They were like, why am I going to go have this when I enjoy going to Blockbuster? And we all right. know what happened with that. Yeah, and you make a good point. I mean, if
1: your mom or your sister is only buying two CDs and let's say they're spending, you know, $24 a year, you know, on on those two CDs, but if if we can get them to, you know, uh, have spotify or apple music or one of those competitors even if they don't directly pay for it it comes through their at&t bill or it comes through their comcast right, bill right. as you alluded and, and, to and it doesn't
2: necessarily have to be ten dollars anymore because when when all these music streaming sites started they were 24 dollars, they were 25 dollars, they were you know uh, a platinum tier and then a free right. tier with ads and you know you could you might be able to see like a $5 a month charge. I mean, I think it's, it's just the more that people sign up,
0: the faster it's going to happen.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Eric, Do you think
0: that, that when, when that moment hits that you've got these streaming services in every household through the, 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 whatever the carrier is, um, is radio going to become one of the biggest downfalls? Is radio going to take the biggest hit? Because now, you know, the, our mom, our sisters—that that that group we were talking about—they all know how to use radio. That's that's very easy. <laughs> they expect that to be there.
1: It's still the number one way to it's discover. Still the music, number right? one way to discover. It's now,
0: still
2: now by far. Sudden, yeah.
0: They they can they can have basically a Spotify or Pandora, which will give them every single song they could ever want. Why do I turn on my local radio station now? I just turn on spotify on my cable i turn on spotify in my in dash um what do you think about that
2: um there's something really really amazing about somebody deciding what you should be listening to and i think people still want that you know if you go through the biggest downloads in any week most of the time if not all the time they are exactly the top songs that are being played on the radio. So there's something about somebody sitting in an office that that dictates what we should all be listening to on that particular station. If you have two CHR stations in the same market, You know, there might be tweaks here and there. Somebody might get a jump on a single faster or leave a single um, a little bit earlier than the other station. But people still love that local flavor. They still want to know that somebody happens to be in their city talking about the issues that matter to them, telling the jokes that matter to them, the news, traffic, weather, sports, all of that stuff. You can't really replace online. And when it's... I remember when I first got on a music streaming site, it was... It was overwhelming, man. You know, imagine like you're a kid at like the largest record store in the world, and you can listen to anything. I I listened to the first ten albums I bought. Like I I listened to stuff that I in my collection.
1: Yeah, you're paralyzed by choice.
2: Right, exactly, and that's that's why you know companies like Netflix decide to take or remove movies or add them on based on you know what their algorithm says that people would want to watch. So I think that there's just something still about um, uh, somebody somebody you know choosing s- the best 60 or 70 songs at that moment that you should be listening to and although that you know the algorithm on on s- the music streaming sites are r- far better than a human one um, there's just something about the fact that it's gonna be at least a generation at least to grow up without radio being as important as they are. But right now, the people that, you know, if you are, if, if, if you found out about music for the first time or for the, for the wonderful years of your life of, you know, from the time you were driving when you were 16 to like say 33, 34, 35, where most people kind of stop listening to new music for the most part, those people are still far ways away from ever forgetting that radio was very, very important. So it's going to be at least, you know, yeah. 10 or 15 what, yeah. years old. I, I see it as
1: kind what, of an entry level drug, too, you know, like something like Pandora, which people can pop on in the background at work and listen to all day long. That kind of is close to maybe the radio experience and maybe that's that entry drug that kind of gets them to well maybe i'd like to kind of explore a little bit more and what i love about the spotify's and apple musics and slackers of the world is that they sometimes i like to discover music and sometimes i like to go digging for music but a lot of times like you mentioned you know, I want somebody to play music for me. I, I I'm don't want to think I, about
0: my music. <laughs> exactly.
1: And that's <laughs> yeah. what those services, you know, with all their different playlists, you can just kind of go in there and say, oh, you know, I want this classic rock or I want this, you know, the new sounds of the day or whatever. And I think I've always told people it's not the information age, it's the recommendation age. And I yeah. think curation is in its infancy. And I think that going forward, that curation is just going to get better and better. And I don't know if these digital service providers are going to be kind of niche where one kind of goes off into jazz and one kind of goes off into more EDM or whatever. I don't know if it's going to go to that level. But the days of kind of saying, well, you know, I've got 40 million tracks, well, he's got 30 million tracks. I mean, it's almost kind of a, a meaningless number because it's once you get kind of that core group of songs that most people listen to, that kind of eighty twenty. After that, if somebody gets you know a group of indie labels and brings in a ton of tracks, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're you know better or worse. You know? so I think the competition, it, although it's good, I think it's really going to come down to you know curation going forward, getting people into streaming, whether it's through Pandora or Apple Music or, or wherever, but kind of hooking them with uh, a reason to kind of stick around, you know, kind of their own personal DJ.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, the amazing the thing about, uh, about the, the all of those music streaming sites that you mentioned, that something like Amazon did, doesn't really have or didn't really have, because Amazon was really, I think, the first one to kind of give off that impression. If you bought this book, here's what others bought. And sometimes you can look at those choices and say, that's amazing. Or, whoa, I would never want to meet this person in a dark alley because they're (laughs) just crazy. You know, Um, but when those music streaming sites started doing deals for albums and and for everything just like the 40 million 35 million track you'd be amazed yeah. at how many t- songs have never been heard before and exactly. probably for very good reason but once you find a couple of people whose playlists that you like people who you know can put together everything from the really popular party mixes to stuff like if you like Guy Clark jr, you're going to love these next 20 artists and i think those are for still that that i would say you know, that the ten percent, fifteen percent of the population, the people that can work among any interface that you give them, those people are like gonna be the leaders and then everybody else is just gonna follow them along. And you know, when we had RDO up here, I loved RDO because I found it really simple to use and I I loved it. The curation was okay, but I personally wasn't using it for that. I was just using it for just to to stream music. But Spotify to a lot of my friends who didn't kind of grow up with streaming music find that a lot easier than say a pandora or vice versa so i think it's all depends on what you you feel comfortable with but i agree once everything is level field and that the same songs are available you've got to separate yourself from you know having the ability to listen to things that you wouldn't otherwise have keeping yeah. in mind though that's still going to be a pretty small segment of the population but an important one just the same
0: Eric, so st- obviously streaming is, is evolving very quickly on a daily basis. Um, and a lot of talk is, is focused on curation, giving us better playlists, better music selections, better recommendations. One of the things that, that I love about radio that is pretty much blatantly missing from streaming is personality. Meaning, you know, I like the fact that on radio... A DJ can come in between songs and say, "Well, that was this Led Zeppelin song, man. You know, let me tell you something about that song. Do you know who was who who sang background on this?" And Eric, that's kind of what you do a lot with your. Missing.
1: Yeah, and and that's something you know that that Eric does. He he provides context, I think, and I think there are some people, you know, to Michael's point, like Slacker will have working at it. You know they yeah. do a little bit, and I think Beats One, as much as I, you know, it wasn't really my kind of music at first. But now that I'm kind of getting into it, I do think there is a little bit of what Michael's talking about. But I, I agree. I think there's a, an opportunity there. You know, for someone to step in and actually add context, add, you know, it's fun, that. It's
0: funny. You know, there, there's a lot of talk about how streaming is killing radio, but I think streaming needs to adapt radio and bring the personality that radio is, is removing because at the end of the day, it, you know, and I've done a lot of talk at, radios, at, at radio seminars and conventions, and they're all about music, 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 and, and in my opinion, when it comes down to competing at the level of just music, radio can't win because you, I yeah. can always get the music I want. Where radio shines are the people.
2: I, that, I told I couldn't that's agree what more.
0: Them. Yeah,
1: you know, I, I couldn't grew agree, agree more. In uh, in the Northwest, you know, in Seattle with KZOK, but most of the time I spent with Portland, Oregon with KGON. I can tell you right now, every one of those DJs, um, yeah, you know, because they they were part of they were rock stars to me. I grew up, you know, listening to Gloria Johnson and Iris Harrison and those folks. I mean, to me. They were as much of the music scene as the artists themselves. You know, they they were like my friends. You know, at night when I would listen to the radio, and I think Michael, you've touched on something that I think is a, a great opportunity and is missing um, in in streaming is that personality and that 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 context.
2: Yeah, I, I remember um, I been at eat one um, for seventeen years, coming up on eighteen. Wow. Years, we were we were Koch. Wow. Caught beforehand and then we got bought out by entertainment One. and uh, there was a time maybe about 10 years ago where i hit a rut and you you couldn't tell from the outside but i just got bored of everything i just got bored i I was probably just hitting a midlife crisis a little bit early when it came to music i just hit that rut of "Ah, there's got to be something else out there because i was just bored with what was going on on the music scene and then i discovered Waxy from from Cincinnati W O X Y. And, you know, this was a station that a lot of people kind of knew, but I figured, I I found them online and they, they discovered for me so many great bands that I listen to still to this day. And when I got to go down there, I took a trip um, to go see a couple of shows in the area, but I made it a point to like, out of the blue, send them an email and say, "I, I, you know, this is who I am. I'm nobody but I'm a such a big fan of the station. Can I come down and say, hi, you know, the, the, the least I could just say is thank you. You know, they took me around. I felt like I knew the DJs personally because I knew all about their day. I knew all about the problem that they were having. I knew all about what they loved and things that they had to play, but they just thought sucked, you know? And, and I think part of it is that, It's like that moment that you realize that radio's only purpose and first purpose is to sell advertising and everything else is around that. When an English teacher in grade six told me that, it blew my mind and Mm -hmm. changed everything forever for me. Because then I realized that, yes, all you're trying to do is sell advertising and the music is there to keep it. If you talk to any brand managers at any radio station, their job is to keep the listeners as much as possible to help sell the advertising. And the hosts and the DJs try to do that, where they start teasing songs that are upcoming. Right. But I think that that's where that, that's that's I think sorely missed, and I think I'm not so sure that that's going to come back. But I'll tell you though, because that happened at radio, it gives people like you two. A voice and a playing field that is all yours to play with. The yeah. the fact that I can go on Twitter and put something in there that says um, this is what Taylor Swift learned from watching Behind the Music. Okay, I'm gonna I'll I'll tweet that out and invariably somebody will always write Taylor Swift sucks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. I can write something about Mother Teresa and somebody will invariably exactly. slam Mother Teresa. <laughs> but if you put somebody like a Taylor Swift in context, forget about the music for a moment what she can teach people about the music industry right now you look at her social you look at how she engages you look at her contesting you look at her her rollout plan even if you don't like the music she's doing everything perfect for 2015 2016 and 2017 ahead what she can teach you to me that's the really cool stuff about music it's like when you want to find out more about why the Beatles recorded Sgt. Pepper. When we say that the Beatles influenced music and culture and fashion and politics and drugs and everything else that came with, say, that specific album. It allows you to go, yeah, that's, that's right. But now I'm kind of fascinated with it. And then the digger that you deep the closer to the truth that Bruce Springsteen says that everything i learned about life i learned within the grooves of a record and i am so there with him because i yeah. learned about politics from records i learned about culture from records i learned about racism from records and learning about race records when 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 you know music was first kind of consumed i learned you know it's one thing to say you're a fan of Elvis Presley but to understand why Elvis Presley existed and became popular and the walls right. that somebody like him had to face that's what teaches you around the world around you and that's what podcasting can do that's what social media can do hopefully you know in 140 characters or less but th- mm-hmm. and that's what blogging can do there's a reason why blogs and podcasting exploded was because you because radio and those kind of traditional gatekeepers wasn't giving people what they needed. They were kind of giving people what they wanted, but not what they needed.
1: Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more.
0: Eric, this this was this was fascinating. I mean we we've, we've been on for almost three Let's go minutes down now. the
2: rabbit hole. Yeah. I know.
0: You know we we, well, we love these conversations where it's just like wow we could just go for three more uh, hours. So but you know that's the point. It's like If we were sitting in a bar, this is the type of conversations we would be having over a few beers. And it just goes on and on.
2: People people will always say, you know, if I go out, you know, and they always people always ask me, you know, so what do you listen to? And, and, you know, (laughs) you never know what to say. It's like, well, what kind of stuff do you like? And then, you know, you kind of give a couple of answers. But normally, you know, when you find out why certain people like certain music or certain songs or certain bands, they can't really tell you why. It's like, other than like, it's got a good melody and for some reason it hooked me. It's like, that's, that's cool. You want to just go below, you know, one layer of that onion. Awesome. But you want to talk to me about, you know, why I still listen to tears for fears, 30 years later. I'll tell you why, you know, or why talk talk was probably, you know, more influential, even though it sold six copies of their last album in Canada. And I think I bought them all, (laughs) you know, there, there's, loads of 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 digging deep and i think that when we start to see music you know going back to music streaming services once we start to see people get a little bit more comfortable with with it i think music will not only be more consumed than ever before but i think people will will want to love it even more and i I think sometimes when you get into a little bit of a rut with with some people's idea that music might be in. You saw it during disco, and you know there's a certain segment of population that just wasn't interested in it. But maybe they went to punk music, or now where it's a little CHR heavy and everything. You know, all of like you know the uh, the Billboard Hot 100, like 20 of them are written by you know the same three production teams. When you when they're able to come back in something that they They can really appreciate. I think that the music streaming sites are going to have a really big part in that. And I think the more music that people listen to, because right now, you know, the music industry really has nothing to worry about at this point. Music is listened to and talked about and written about more times right now on any given day than ever before in history. We just have to figure out a way of how to get the people paid correctly. And we have to figure out a way to make music matter. And I don't think we'll ever reach that answer, but we should never stop striving for it.
1: Agreed. Yeah. Well, I hope you'll join us again sometime. It's been a, no, a thrill chatting with you. And
2: I'm a, I'm a big fan of you both. So this was an honor and a pleasure. And, uh, Eric, Eric,
0: Eric, Eric, let me, let me, yeah. let me, let me give you a, a quick opportunity to plug here. So what, what's, what's coming down the E1 release schedule that we should be looking for?
2: Um, you know what? It's, um, it, it's pretty busy. We actually just did a deal a couple of days ago with a label called Last Gang Records. And Last Gang was home to Lights and Metric and Mother Mother and a slew of other bands. And for the very first time in our history, we have a president of music global. Which um, his name is Chris Taylor and he's one of the smartest men I've ever met. So I'm really really excited about that because I think that there'll be a, a lot of really cool records coming down. Um, one that I'm, I was working just before you called with the new Zach Wild album. Um, I love him as a person. I think he's one of the funnest people that that that's going right now. So I love hanging out with him. Um, right. And f- for the most part, it's it's just a lot of tour dates. It's a, a lot of you know releases that are are there to help promote some of the, the the tour dates and it makes live music just that much more important because live music is something that you can't download and you can't stream in the same way be as being you gotta be there you got you know it's like 90 90 percent of success is showing up and there yeah. you go 90 percent of loving music again if kids if you've fallen out of it is go see a live show there's always bands playing
0: what what what, what do you think of the new ace fraley album that's coming
2: um, you know what? I'm just so happy that Ace is around. You know, when you get to that kind of a level of success, um, and you get to do what you want to do, and you get to release what you want to release, you're already winning. Um, Ace is a, is is a extremely cool guy. I like him a lot. He's funny. Um, he's warm, and he truly appreciates all of his fans. Sticking with them through all of those years, um, so I think when you get to uh, a veteran status like he is, I think it's always nice <laughs> to talk to people in the media when I'm working a record like that. Of hearing stories like you did in the beginning of this conversation, of of you know going to see Kiss with your mom, like I love yeah. that. I love the fact we that love Ace. people who grew up with his music are now in a position of power that will say, "Oh my God, I can't <laughs> wait for this album."
0: Uh, you know, I—I'll I, tell you. I mean, Jay and I are both big Kiss fans, so I'll tell you that—that that, that track listing was a jaw drop. Like, oh wow, I just didn't <laughs> see it being that—that that diverse, that that interesting. Um, you know, that's what's got me and a lot of fans going, "Wow, can't wait!" to see I will be how he's more than happy
2: song. to send you your own copies as soon
1: as uh, the competition ends. <laughs> thank to, you. Love to. Appreciate it.
0: All right, well, Eric. Eric thank so you so um, much. Here, where before we forget, what's your Twitter? What's your website? Where can people go follow you?
2: They can follow me on Twitter at That Eric Alper. And they can also visit the website anytime, that ericalper.com, And that's where I get to post a little bit larger stories than what Twitter or Facebook or Instagram is able to, to do. But if you just type in That Eric Alper at Google, I'll come up.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Eric, thank you again so much.
2: Thank you so much, guys. It's been a real pleasure and an honor.
0: Take care. Take care, Eric. That was uh, another fun conversation. That was another one that could have gone for four hours
1: easily. There yeah, was just
0: so many rabbit holes to go down. And talk about music and bands and
1: yeah, we'll need to have him on again. There's there's just so many different areas, and it, and I would encourage anybody who watches this to check out that Eric Alper. Um, just the stories that he posts, the you know the opinions, the the tracks, you know the stripped down tracks, and just. Um, follow him on twitter he he posts things like you know on this day in history this happened or he's just really in tune with what's going on and he's he's funny he's smart and it's just one of my favorite people to follow online and i'm thrilled to have the conversation
0: as i said early on he does an amazing job curating what he shares um if you're any sort of fan of music you're gonna find something um that he posts that is just Fun, interesting. Um, yeah, he's just—he's a fan, and and that's what I yeah, love. I love it shines I love through when you can absolutely. Talk to fans because they get know, it. You can just feel the passion.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Good right, discussion. Well,
0: I'm glad you're feeling better.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. And next week I'll be in my my new office. You won't see my daughter's bedroom in the background, and it's going to be good.
0: And uh, you know, I don't know if there's. Nah, I was gonna say, is there any homework, any feedback we want? Um, nah, that's uh, that was just a good fun discussion. It really was.
1: And are we gonna see your new uh, office next week?
0: Next week you should. You could have. We could have seen it this week, but I had to stay home and take care of some um, emergency laundry that had to be done. for uh, well, two year old. But uh, you know, yes, the new office is is set up. Uh, the if Julie's not happy, wax, nobody's and, happy. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right that's it everybody until
2: uh, until next week we're out of here. Thank Cheers.
1: you.